Good morning and welcome to this episode number 27 of the Audio Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jason Von Cannell, with my brother and co-host, Alex Von Cannell, who's a little bit hungover this morning. Yeah. Just a touch. I think it wasn't... Maybe it was the late night. It's just a headache. A big headache. Mm. And isn't it typical that uh, today your aircon won't work as well? Yeah. Yeah. So if, if Alex gets uh, a little bit sweaty and incoherent during the, uh, the podcast, you'll understand yeah. why. Um, so we've got a couple of things to go through today. Um, obviously, some of it's just going to follow on from, from last week because there's some pretty big stuff uh, you know, happening in the news at the moment. Yeah. So why don't we just get straight into it? So let's no, start. Shouldn't we start with your thing? Because that's a week old. My thing? The weigh-in. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Let's let's do that. So, obviously, um, we have set ourselves some health and fitness goals for the year. Uh, so, we thought we would just do another... You had. Well, I have yep. as well. Yep. So, I'll do a, a weigh-in. So, obviously, I didn't hit my 95 kilo target mm. from, from last year. Uh, I weighed in this morning, and I weighed in at 102 on the nose. Mm. So, 102 on the dot. So, from... October when this whole thing started till now, I was 107 and a half back in October and I've, I've stabilized at 102 now. Now, I have my, my health and fitness goals got a little bit hijacked by health goals over the last two months because we've been having Nate go to daycare, which as I've said before, has destroyed my immune system. So I've really been sick on and off since the start of December. Um, I haven't touched a weight since the start of December. Yep. Um, I've barely been going on walks and stuff like that for at least all of January. I, I went on a walk yesterday, the first time I've done the 5K walk in yeah. probably two months. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really funny how much I'm feeling it on the like on the fronts of my sure. shins yeah. just because it's so easy to lose. Like I used to do that walk almost every day uh, for a year or two, and now it's yeah. sort of lost, so I'll, I'll get back into doing that. Um, I'm on the mend, Nate's on the mend too, which is which is the most important thing as well. So what I have been um, making sure of is like just just had a mindset shift this year and just gone, you know what, it I've I've come to the point where I can't train my way out of a bad diet anymore. Yeah. So I'm just not gonna have the bad diet anymore. So I think that's one of the real reasons why I my weight has stabilized, even though I haven't been able to do any of the activity, mm. is because I just haven't been eating like an asshole. It is ninety percent food, isn't it? Oh yeah, weight absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, um, what did you have this morning with me here? I had a croissant. Yeah, we had a delicious croissant yeah. from Grant, and it was good too. The, the, it was really, really good. It's but black coffee though, though. only black coffee. <clears throat> yeah, um, but yeah, just you know, like getting like three square meals a day, eating good food every time, and I just haven't been eating junk at night time, which mm. you know that's. That's, the, that's probably 50% of my problem. It's, it's just funny. eating junk at night time. It's literally just becoming a, a real adult. Yeah. Because I know I know that I still feel like, ooh, goodies. Mm. You know, I still feel like a child. Yeah. Dietary-wise. Mm. And that's that's the thing. It's it's that tricky thing, right? So you, you go from having um, boundaries on you as, as oh. a kid, and then uh, even when you, like, when you move out, You've got other boundaries too, which are generally financial boundaries as well. Mm. So, you know, I remember being a broke teenager who's just moved out of home, who I've, I've always worked, I always had some money, but, you know, you're not spending it on supplements or vitamins or anything like that. You're just generally buying junk and pounding it while your metabolism's going so sure. fast. And then you just get into bad habits. Um, this is actually interesting too. So, one of the key drivers for my behavioral shift is Nate has literally just hit that point in his development where I've noticed him starting to copy me. Yeah. So yesterday, for example, I was sitting on the couch and I yawned and he was sitting on the couch next to me and he looks at me and goes, Um, and and opens his mouth. Like I don't, I don't think he knew what I was doing, but I yawned. So he opened his mouth and I'm like, okay, now he's like doing that monkey see monkey do phase Mm. where I don't want that monkey to see this monkey sitting on the couch smashing a bag of Doritos. For I sure. I want to see that monkey. I want that monkey to see this monkey, you know, eating good foods, which it's probably been another driver of it as well. So generally what I'm eating for lunch now, for example, is something that I make for both of us. So I'm making him healthy food. And it might just be, it's simple shit. It's not like, you know, anything um, gnarly, but it, it'll just be one of his favorite foods is 
uh, roast chicken and broccoli. Mm. So I'll steam up some broccoli, we'll buy roast chicken or something like that, and then we'll both just have roast chicken and broccoli for lunch. Mm. And like, you know, a lot of like bodybuilders and stuff like that just eat chicken and broccoli all the time anyway, but it's just a cleaner way of eating. And it's also been a good thing because when he sees me eat the food, he goes, oh, this is good food. Yeah. Rather than if I gave him healthy stuff and I ate something else, he'd be yeah. like, oh, why aren't you eating it? Get a bag shapes. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, so 102 on the nose this morning. Which I think the, the lightest I got to during my weight loss challenge was only in the 101s and a bit mm. anyway, so not far off that. I wouldn't be surprised if I slightly deflated a little bit after not lift, lifting a weight for two months. Mm. Um, so that's probably an element there too, but all in all, like actually feeling physically better uh, for just eating better. Yeah. Sure. Which is a good thing, and it becomes a positive cycle, which continues on. Definitely, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if you go three-monthly, half-yearly, sort of how it's tracking from there, too. Yeah. I was supposed to get my body scan this week, but I actually, I was, I've actually been really busy at work, so mm-hmm. I haven't had the chance, so I'll try and get it in next week. Yep. Um, but I'm, the only thing I'm feeling from the gym, besides mm-hmm. absolutely shredding my feet on Sunday, yeah. was... Um, my watches don't fit anymore. They are. So I've actually got to go put links in my watches. So all, all the watches that have, um, you know, stainless bracelets and mm-hmm. things like that are now too tight. They are. That's, that's the only difference I've noticed so far. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I spoke in the last podcast about the... My cardio has increased mm-hmm. because of the riding to... Um, we use a city bike. Have I spoken about that? I don't, I don't think you've spoken about it on the pod. You've told, told me about it, but... So... Before I, uh, last year, the end of last year, Tash and I just wanted to go from St. Lucia to Felons Brewery, mm-hmm. and it's a really nice um, track on the water. What's the um, distance between the two? I don't, know what the don't di- know. I don't know what the distance is, but I know it's it's 50 minutes on the bike, okay. one, one way. Yeah. And it's all flat except for the part near our house, which is really up and down and up and down. Mm-hmm. And when I did it last year... After the up and down, up and down, once I had that pump in my thighs, I was so gassed that I had to stop off seeing stars, like it was yeah. really bad. And then I didn't ride all the way back, I only rode half the way back and then got a lime scooter and scooted <laughs> right. the rest. Yeah. Uh, we did it, not last weekend, the weekend before, mm-hmm. I did the whole thing flat out, yeah. all the way there and all the way back. So that that is a real cardio. Yeah, you can see a marker of difference. Yeah. And and that's one of the positive things about exercise, right, is that you, you know, there was, you can do something today that you couldn't do Mm. a month ago, Mm. or you can do something today that you couldn't do a year ago. Um, I was telling you this morning, like, uh, because I haven't really been doing pull-ups or anything like that for a long time, I pretty much could only do like maybe half a one or even one Mm. a couple of months ago. Um, And then now I'm at a point where I can do two. Yeah. And like, you know, and then I can have a bit of a rest and I can do another two. So yep. then I'll just keep working on it and building on it and, um, you know, hopefully get to a point where I can do 10 or 20 or whatever sure. chance may be. So it really is amazing what your your body can do when you um, you give it the right stimulus, you know. Yep. Like it, it will rise to any occasion or it will lower itself to, you know, any standard that you've set for it. It is so. time to thrive for 2021. 100%. Let's not forget it. Let's Absolutely. Forget and, it. and I think that's it. Look, for me, it's, I've got that big key motivator of, Nate, like, I want to set a good example for him. I want to be a good positive role model for him. So, you know, it's important for me now. It's not about me anymore. It's about what habits I pass mm. on to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a pretty, um, a pretty strong uh, motivator to do the right things. Yep. Which is cool. So, do you want to touch on, should we talk about GameStop now? Yeah, so, um, obviously we spoke a, a lot about GameStop last week. Um, one thing that we will say as well, too, on that is, uh, so last week's episode prompted a lot of discussion, mm. and probably the most discussion that we've had in a while, mm-hmm. and one of the things that we were really, really happy with is we feel like that you guys and the community that are starting to sort of build a little bit around this podcast is a very positive but also respectful community yeah a truth-seeking a truth-seeking community that's right where people 
we're actually having conversations where it's not mudslinging, it's not like normally what happens on the internet is you have two people with opposing points of view, the, then there's an army of people behind each of them with the same differing points of view. Mm -hmm. And instead of actually trying to discuss the facts of the situation, the easiest way for them to try to win an argument is to discredit the other person and then remove them from, like, yeah. if you've got no credibility, then your points moot because yeah. you no longer matter. Um, I was really, really happy to see the level of respect and intelligence shown yeah. by our community with these conversations that we've been happening, having in the past week. So yeah. um, shout out to you guys. Really appreciate it. I actually want to go even deeper than that. I think that was a really good example of what this world actually needs right now. Mm. So I had a conversation with a friend last night and we got, we got real deep in it. We spoke about every single topic, but we, we got in... We, ha we started the conversation with trying to find the truth in mind. Mm -hmm. And it was not about, it was not about uh, defending your position. Mm -hmm. It was about seeking what is real, yeah. right? And we probably spoke for, now we were drinking, but drinking can tend to get emotional. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't. It was the most rational conversation that I've had uh, for a very long time and we we discussed that like that that is actually what people need to see mm. now he made a good point because he's not he's not the most articulate person he goes I struggle to get my message across yeah because he's not as articulate <clears throat> yeah but he made a great point he goes but when I listen to people speaking like that you start to pick up you know, techniques on how to, how to convey your point. Mm -hmm. So that's a powerful thing, but it's also a really powerful thing to truly listen to the opposing view. Yeah. Not hear it, listen to it. Yeah. And when someone, ha when someone says something, making sure you let them finish. Mm. So that, because half a sentence, you know, th there might be, you might not get the payoff that you're you're supposed to have in the setup, yeah. but also showing that you are actually listening and genuinely listening to what they have to say. Yeah, um, in the Steve Scott book, I think it's the 15 Disciplines, which my wife's big into at the moment, there's a principle in that which is about um, not listening to respond, listen to understand. Listen to understand, yeah. And, and I think... Oh, that's awesome, that's mixed up. Um, I think that is something that, again... Social media doesn't really promote is listening to understand. A lot of people, when they're reading comments and stuff like that, they're literally looking for the things that they can then bark back at and get their point across more. And I think that it's something that, you know, as a society, we really, you benefit from when you listen to people with opposing views and try to understand where they're coming from. And yeah. there's, there's so much happening in the world at the moment where if there was a bit more listening to understand and less listening to respond, um, you know, it, it takes the heat out of the, the conversations. And then when both parties don't feel like they're in a fight, you're actually going to come to some level of agreement, which is usually, yeah. we always, we say it all the time, usually the truth is somewhere around the middle. And that's what happened in that, in that, um, that thread on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I think we all came to a common ground about a certain subject, mm -hmm. even though we're on opposing views or something that we, we all agreed. Mm. Um, and you'd never have found that if you started to accuse someone, if you started yeah. to make automatic assumptions about someone, if you just tried to defend your post. Mm. Um, the conversation I had with my friend last night, I changed my mind about some, like two things. Yeah. That, yeah. Like changed my mind because I, I'll, in my mind I've gone... I never even considered that part of it, mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's a good thing to admit you're wrong, and it's fine to change your mind. Yeah. Um. So I yeah I was I was really really impressed, and I think I think from that conversation last night, and also that that um, thread on the internet made me like made me really hopeful that there is a, there is a a, a, a real um, uh, like a movement that we can start mm. and it's just by having 
real conversation. For sure. And I think that um, this sort of leads into something else we're going to speak about as well, because I think people have woken up now and realised how um, inflammatory social media has become Mm. um, because of the algorithms. So one of the things that came out during the week, which is really interesting, and this is out of the United States as well, but in Florida, there was um, a congressman who was talking about changes they're going to be making in legislation in Florida around social media. And uh, some of these changes were going to be mainly centered around the free dispersal of information. So one of the, the major issues with the social media platforms as they currently stand is that certain stories get passed around with gay abandon and go viral and certain other stories uh, just get completely quashed yeah. and, and pushed down. Um, and look, they'll pretend that there's no agendas involved. There's always agendas yeah. involved. Like any business that's making any business decision, it's to support their business. So yeah. there's always an agenda there. Um, it just depends on which side of politics or which side of a, of a, of a subject better yeah. benefits that company, right? So um, they're, they're proposing these laws, which are very, very intense laws. Like, for, these, for example, um, one of the things they're proposing is that if they can prove that a story is being stifled, they will actually fine these companies $100,000 a day until that stops. Yeah. Um, Would which, that include the ban as well, banning a person? Yep. For no reason? Yep. Yeah, the, um, that was one of the other things they brought up was having... Um, consistent application of your terms and conditions across all users. Because yeah. the problem is, and like, again, I think, I hope people are starting to see this stuff more and more and more. Whenever a company goes, oh, they violated our terms and conditions, and they don't actually give you what they did, that's what, like, obviously, the, the Trump being kicked off every social media platform was the most egregious example. Yeah. They all said he violated our, our terms of, it, of conditions. Now, if you go online... There are people violating the terms and conditions every single day. If you're a part of a meme group, which makes... You are only breaking the terms and conditions. You're exactly right. (laughs) You're never not doing that. Yeah, now look, they're jokes, but like 90% of the stuff that gets passed around those groups would Mm. be classed as hate speech, which is in um, breach of a lot of the terms and conditions. But again... Because we're insignificant, they just let you, they just let you roll. Yeah. Whereas if like what they're looking for is a consistent application of the terms and conditions, and if your terms and conditions aren't working, change them. Yeah. Let people know what's changing, and have not only a, a um, consistent application of them, but also have a an a, appeals process where you can actually go to these companies and say, hey, can you please explain to me what I've done wrong? Can I rectify it and can I be brought back on again? Because mm. the problem is a lot of them just go, you, you violate our terms and conditions and you're out. And there's no way of getting back into it, yeah. which as we discussed before, then removes you from the social discourse. Some of the solutions we found last night in, in our discussion about, about socials is remove the algorithm completely. Uh, that was one of the other things that came up out of the, the Florida legislation. They want to give people the opportunity to opt out of algorithms. Yeah. Which, how good would that be? Yeah. I, I think I was telling you during the week, um, normally my YouTube feed is like, I use YouTube for obviously posting up all the idea of podcast stuff, and then literally I've been watching like 20 to 30 year old video gaming videos lately. Mm. That's been my thing. I've, I've rarely used YouTube up until the last six months when we started doing this. Uh, I made the mistake of watching one video, which I guess could be classified as a, an American right-wing video, and now my YouTube algorithm is just throwing those videos at me every single day. Mm. And I don't want that. Yeah. Like, I looked at a video because it was about a subject that we had spoken about on the podcast, because sure. I'm trying to do further um, research. Mm. I don't want to have all that shit jammed down my throat all day. Mm. And it was what I found so interesting about it, too... I'm watching all these other video game videos and it's like throwing me up at like, here's, here's an extra video game video about, like, here's another Doom speedrun. Like, yeah, that's yeah. one of the things that I've been watching lately. Super geeky, but whatever. Get a bit nostalgic when I look mm. at these old games. Um, but it's like, throws in a little bit, throws in a little bit. I watch one right-wing video, blah, 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 because I know how many views they get with that stuff. Yeah, so removing the algo would, would, would fix that. Also, I still think it's the, uh, 
like the monetization of, of the companies, the advertising mm. model needs to go. I don't, I don't know if you can ever fully get rid of the advertising model. I do think that there can be a lot of positive changes made to it um, that, that can change some things because at the end of the day, the, the entire world is run on advertising, any sort of media. Yeah, but so. that's very dismissive. So if you just assume that it'll never, it'll never stop, then it'll never stop. Mm. But I'm saying it can stop. There are civilizations that have lasted a lot longer than our civilization that did not work off a capitalist mm. advertising model. Yeah. And a, a subscription service. Well, Netflix is the perfect example of, of a company that's successful, mm-hmm. that doesn't advertise, doesn't sell you ads. You pay for it. It's a paid service. So yeah, you can have paid services. Yeah, yeah so, of course. Lo- yeah. So if Facebook premium was going to be 15 bucks a month and you got no ads, mm. no algos... I'm all like you know. I'm all for it. Mm. Um, so it's it's dismissive to say that we can't yeah, exit true. a a um a uh, marketing. And I've said it. I've said it before, but I've um I'm going to say it again. If you still think that those services are free, mm. you're kidding yourself. Yeah. I I reckon I spoke to three people during the week who bought something. Oh yeah, I saw this on Instagram and I bought it. Hmm. Well, I saw a um, I saw a post from a YouTuber the other day apologizing to his his subscribers because when he uploaded the video he accidentally clicked apply ads automatically. So normally if you're uh, if you're big enough to be doing ads and stuff on your YouTube videos, you can pick when the ads come in. Mm-hmm. He applied it automatically, and I think he was saying it was like a five minute video that had twenty ads in it. Because YouTube's just gone, blah, shotgun blast of ads, yeah. like, on, onto this video. Because see, like, I pay for YouTube. Yeah. And I get no ads. And when someone fires their phone up and the first thing you have to see is an ad, mm. like, I just think that's ludicrous. I, I think that's just... Think about, especially if you watch a lot of YouTube, think about how much time you've wasted watching ads. Like, I don't watch free day TV. Yeah, that, well, that's what, no, that's what annoys me too about, like, because I've got pay TV, I've got Foxtel, and there's ads on it. Yeah, you know, like obviously, if you if you pay for the movie channels, which I don't, you can watch a movie with uninterrupted, uninterrupted. But I watch all this live sport and stuff like that. It's the only reason why I got it. And there's so many ads on it, and it's and like I've said before, um, I would prefer when there's a timeout in the NBA that you go to, to the commentary box and the commentators are giving me stats on the game or trends they're seeing in the game or plays that have been happening. I want to see that stuff. I don't want to see ads. I've already paid for this. Did I tell you my idea for a sporting? race series don't know so I, I had a I had an idea I always think like I, I pick hot topics you know and I think sporting um, motorsport in particular mm-hmm. very expensive gateway like very expensive sport mm-hmm. and one of the biggest problems with it is not overly televised so there's not there's that ad revenue thing is no no good no one can really see the name you mean the lower levels of motorsport lower levels yeah, yeah, yeah entry yeah. level but I thought with like, um, I thought electrification, okay, so when, when race cars be, are going to become electric, and they will, it's just a matter of time, more racetracks will open mm-hmm. because the excuse of them being too loud to shut these places yeah. down is now gone. Um, and then I thought, well, what would actually make, how can you address a lot of the problems that, that these uh, these sports have, and I thought a one make electric race series, mm-hmm. where every car is spec built, and have uh, the cameras inbuilt in the cars, mm-hmm. front, rear, left, right, three sixty driver, um, you know, wheel suspension, like they're all rigged up with all the cameras from like as part of the build, mm-hmm. and then get an artificial intelligence to to um, uh, bind all the all the images together live mm. to give you a telecast. So as opposed to having someone sitting there clicking it and going, okay, go to camera two, mm. go to camera one. And then just putting it out there, right? Putting it out there, more people are going to see the, prow- the prowess of these young drivers, mm-hmm. right? So someone who's truly talented might actually get a crack because there's, there's eyes on it. Mm-hmm. It should be relatively cheap because it's spec, because it's... Um, uh, uh, I I think I do I have to play with the idea some more Mm -hmm. but I think there's some real opportunity for that to get AI to create uh, 
nicely put together sporting events mm. without the all the the weight the dead weight of human you know these mm. human bags of bones that are <laughs> that are that are currently uh, operating and wanting a massive profit out of it. Mm. You could literally just run an algorithm over it, a good algorithm, an artificial intelligence, <laughs> to to create a spectacle. Yeah. So we we the viewer get to enjoy a greatly produced, action packed thing. And to what you said, you would have some control over that kind of stuff. There's no need for um, you can click on which car you want to see. You can you know if you want to if you want to spot, like it would be really interactive. Yeah, that that sort of interaction I think is the next step in. Yeah. And you've seen that a little bit in certain sports and stuff like that. Not 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 to the point where it could be, but um, you know, having like if you're having a sporting game where it's like, I don't know, you're watching a, a an NBA game for example, probably not NBA, but let's go AFL would be a good example. <clears throat> where it's played on a really large oval and and you the see guy the other end. off of the corner going, I'm going to punch this guy on the chest while yeah. off camera. While well, well, that's all. You might want to have player cam where your favourite player might be at the defensive end. Mm. And you might just want to have like a screen that shows a normal telecast going on, but then player cam with him in the top corner going, I just want to watch this bloke and what he's doing all day. Um, and then you might, like, look, it might actually stamp out some grubby behaviour in some of the games too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also it could create more superstars. Right? Yeah, it would evolve the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, on that note though as well, um, and this is completely irrelevant, but it sort of came up during the week uh, and your eyes will glaze over a little bit in, in regards to this. But one of the things that, here's a concept that I want to talk about, is one of the things I would like to see is we... We start treating athletes like athletes and not role models and spokespeople. I think they could be role models for the thing that they do, not yeah. for the things that they say. That's right. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't like the term saying, stay in your lane because a lot of people go, oh, just stay in your lane, like, to, as a, a yeah. to, right, as a dig at someone else. Um, but there's. There's a, a very, very interesting juxtaposition in the NRL that happened for me this week. Yeah. Two different stories that came out. The first story was that the Dragons were looking to sign Israel Folau. Now, if anyone doesn't know, Israel Folau is a very, very good player, a very good athlete, just lost hates his rugby... Hates the gays. Hates the gays. He's Mormon, I think. Yeah. So, um, just lost his rugby union contract because of some um, homophobic... Uh, his homophobic viewpoint, which he put out, and it was pretty, it was pretty full on the things that he was saying. Now, again, side note, uh, we believe in freedom of speech and freedom. We of love the gays, right? We love the gays here at the other podcast. We love the love the gays. The gays. <laughs> um, but obviously, like we've had a freedom of speech debate as a theme throughout this podcast over recent weeks. And if you want freedom of speech, you've got to take the good with the bad. So he can have his viewpoint. Yeah. Now, um, as far as I'm concerned, if he wants to make himself look like a homophobic twat on national TV, I'm all for it. Yeah. Let him, let him tell everyone that he's a bigot. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's fine. Um, now there was a massive backlash by dragons fans, which we've got some, uh, friends of the podcast who are dragons fans. Uh, some massive backlash about it where they were like, can't believe that they'd be looking at bringing him back to the game. He's disgusting, etc., etc., etc. Now, at the end of the day, Israel Folau is a devout Mormon. He's never had issues with, like, he's never been in the media for drug issues, alcohol issues, yeah. beating his missus, any of that stuff, right? Yeah. <clears throat> now, fast forward to a few days later, uh, one of, so I'm a Broncos boy. And one of our best, most promising young players, Payne Haas, who's a front row forward, just got mixed up with the police this week. Uh, apparently, and again, I don't know the full story, there was some sort of altercation, police went to step in, and he, he's front and court, been charged, and pleaded guilty to intimidating police. Wow. One of which was a female police officer, mm -hmm. where he said to her something along the lines of, you think because you're a woman I won't touch you? Yeah. Right? Now... No one is saying to remove him from the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And again, he is one of the best young players coming through. I was so disappointed to see this because as a Broncos fan, I'm like, come on, guys. Like, just pull your heads in. Yeah. Right? So, 
again, this is one of those, I guess, virtue signaling things mm. where it's like, where we want someone away from public view because he's anti-gay, and yet we're happy to let this bloke play who is threatening to bash a female police officer. Like, to, yeah, to my opinion... Yeah, it seems like a very strange um, hill to die on. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Because out of any group in, uh, in, in any of these, the people that you want to back are the police. Because I'll tell you right now, obviously there's been a whole, like, you know, in America, the defund the police movement, all that sort of shit. I tell you right now, if the shit's hitting the fan, you want them to show up. Yeah, for sure. So when you call the police because you need something, you want them to show up. And look, like Payne Haas is like 20 years old, 120 kilos of pure muscle. Like, he should not be intimidating a female police officer. But I actually think you're missing the big picture out of all of this. What's the big picture? The big picture is exactly what we're talking about prior to this. Mm. They know, the media companies know that this is an engaging topic. Mm. Okay? That's what's going to get the eyes on it. That's yep. what's going to get the interaction with it. Mm. And the only reason why they are relevant is because they get advertising money yep. for eyes on. Yeah. So they've created that. Because mm. you're right, from a... From a uh, if you t- took a step out of it, and if you looked at those things side by side, one is far more abhorrent than the other. Yeah. Yet, yet, um, because there's a financial aspect to all of this, mm. they know which one is going to get the, which one's going to jab, which one's really going to get a reaction out of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's the problem with the situation. So forget, forget the case in isolation. Mm. If you're a prick, you're a prick. Yeah. Right? If you do a bad thing, you should get done, you should go through the courts, um, courts you should be held you know accountable to courts you're not accountable to us yeah social media has given us the ability for you to be accountable to us yeah, but like right. i said you just pick a side mm. if you were never a supporter before you're gonna you're, you know you're, you're gonna, gonna hate on, on. Yeah. yeah and if you're if you were a supporter you're gonna defend your position mm-hmm. goes back to what we're saying before that mm. we need to have a proper conversation mm. and and not let these outrageous uh um, stories grab hold of us mm. because it is idiotic. Yeah. Here's, a, here's an interesting idea for you. And um, obviously in Australia, this could potentially be an election year, but it might be next year as well in Australia. Uh, there was an idea, I can't even remember where I heard this idea, but um, saying that on any social media platform and also even mainstream media television, radio, stuff like that. Uh, if remove advertising revenue from anything which is political advertising. So for example, if you're, um, if you're the Australian Labor Party and you're posting up a video on YouTube about your party, no, no ad revenue goes to the party. If you are... Uh, oh, yeah, that should be a given. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, you are yeah, like yeah. a news station, for example, who's posting up um, political stories and stuff like that, you can't run ads over that story. Well, you know, part of that Florida thing, uh, the bill that they're trying to pass, yeah. they want to say that any... If they find that a political party has been throttled by a social media company, mm. then that has they'll, they'll value that kind of coverage... And add it to your ah uh, as a political donation as a donation yeah, yeah. so yeah. so you could get you know Google could have added one billion dollars worth of free advertising for the Democrats well it's not example. free it's currently it's free yeah that's right but, but that would go in as a donation and then as public record yeah right? and then, okay. then you can see it and I thought that was a great that was really really smart yeah Florida was there there like you said you said that to me yeah. And um, it, I was talking to my friend last night about it, and, and he he's like, Florida's known for like, you know, old people where they go to retire, yeah. fedoras, cocaine, and and uh, like alligators. Mm. But they they have been super progressive on like mm. that was that's the best formed bill about surrounded by big tech that mm. I've seen. Yeah, and I've, I've tried I've looked at a couple like even compared to Europe's one, Europe's probably fighting a lot harder. But the Florida one seemed really practical, really tangible. It actually made sense. It made sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's interesting, right? Like, because I do feel like we are at 
you know, the precipice of a lot of things. I feel like we are on the the brink of a financial revolution, which mm-hmm. is what we were we're going to discuss the GameStop thing shortly as well. So there's that element to it. I think we're also on the brink of the war on big tech. Like I think we we have seen the benefits of big tech early on. So we just threw all of our support at it. Like, yep, big tech's great. Yeah, free search, yeah. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. free search is awesome. Facebook, social media is awesome. Instagram's awesome. Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now we've let it get to a point where we're like, oh, we're starting to see the issues yeah, with it. pendulum the other way. And pendulum's mm. now starting to swing back the other way again, which um, I think is a really, really positive thing. Too. Yeah, I, I can see some... Um when we're trying to talk about solutions to this last night, besides the no algo, which I think was good, you know, just moving away from the platforms mm. is, an, is another good one. Speaking of algos, let's do an experiment. So one of the things that we've noticed recently is I think YouTube has made changes to the way their algorithm works in that they prioritise video now, videos now that have more comments on them. Mm. So... All of you are watching on YouTube, leave a comment underneath this video. It can say whatever you want. Don't care. I have a theory. I have a theory. So we've, we've heard a couple of podcasters talk about it uh, on YouTube. Sorry, YouTube creators. Mm. My theory is Google's smelling blood in the water in the social media game. Mm-hmm. Because Google's not deemed as a social media company. No. Deemed as a big tech search company. Mm-hmm. But I think they are trying to... They will, my prediction mm-hmm. is YouTube will become a social media platform. Yeah, they want it to become the new Facebook. So yeah. it sounds like they're trying to reward behaviours which... With, they give you interaction. They give you interaction, that's right. So just out of interest, if you want to help us try this out, anyone who's watching on YouTube, leave a comment below. It can say whatever you want. What's your favourite colour? Because I just want to see if that video is shown to more people due to the algorithm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be a good test because mm. it that's what's that's what's so not scary, but that's what's so um confronting about these big tech companies is that all this stuff that's happening in the background, it's not transparent like what m- m- most business most business when you go get a coffee, mm. you pretty much know where the beans came from, yeah. the process that they go through with the ground, you know. Yeah. You can see the milk, you know. Um but with big tech, we've got no freaking idea what happens back there. That's right. Like, we can't look back. I was even and it changes to, all the time. Well, yeah. And I was listening to a podcast during the week where, like, they were saying that a lot of the people who work at these companies don't even know how the algorithms work. So, because it's so, like you said, not transparent, which, again, I think comes back to the fact that, like, there's been no legislation put in place for these big tech companies because it's a space that was never legislated for and then it grew out of nowhere exponentially and became this massive thing mm. before the various governments could keep up with legislation because they didn't understand how it worked either because all the people who write the legislation are you know 65 year old white dudes in suits who don't even know how to turn on a computer yeah so the problem with that, and the reason why the, the business models aren't transparent, is because they don't have to be, because sure. legally they don't have to be. Yeah. Whereas so many other businesses, there's like, you know, regular businesses, like Auto Bros, for example, there is legislation which states you need to do certain things. Yeah. You need to supply people with a car history check. Yeah. You know, like you need to be transparent with your information yeah. on, on the product that you're selling, whereas the big tech companies don't. But we're now starting to see that shift a bit. Obviously, the Australian government at the moment is uh, trying to put legislation in place between the news media companies and the big tech companies. Now, we've discussed this before. Do we discuss it here? I believe we have. But at the end of the day, uh, Alex has made his point very, very clear before to me, whether it's uh, whether or not it's on the podcast, where he doesn't believe in uh, the Australian government essentially trying to... Um, bend the arm of the big tech companies to give new Australian news media companies more money to not change their business models. Because the reason why they're bleeding money is because people aren't watching traditional media anymore and because they haven't um, uh, innovated, that's why they're dying. So the answer shouldn't be legislate to pay them more money. Exactly. Right? So I understand that. Well, but my actual stance is fuck big tech and fuck the news. Yeah. That like both of them. Yeah. Both of them are, are cancers on our society at the moment. Mm-hmm. So so uh, you know, when Google threatened to leave, bye. 
Oh, yeah. Like, and does and anyone then, believe for a second that Google's actually going to leave the market? Yeah. They're kidding themselves. So, and and the news companies, just like for all the reasons that we've spoken about before, mm. their their model, their model that they have not innovated, their um, financial model does not does not align with the benefits of mankind. That's right. Okay, so that that's not Planet Human or no? What are we? Team Humanity. Team Humanity. Yeah. They're not playing for Team Humanity. No. They're, they're playing to sell, you know, mm. socks. Yeah. So so. Until that changes, mm. they can both go. Yeah. And you, you're starting to see... And again, I think, for me, podcasting is one of the greatest tools that we have at our disposal at the moment mm. when it comes to actually playing on the side of Team Humanity. Because we can get on here, we can have a conversation about real stuff, and we can have nuanced points of view. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, I mean, we don't have advertisers. Come, I mean, you probably get ads on the video on YouTube. We apologise about it. We don't get paid any money off it. Um, but we don't have advertising coming to us going, oh, you can't say that. You can't say the audio podcast loves the gays because it doesn't align with our product. Um, what I have what, been, what products would they be? What anti-gay products would they be selling? Anti-gay products. Um, That's advertised. I know there's a lot of anti-gay organisations, but what but what products what products would there be that would be deemed as anti-gay? Um Put in the comments what you think would be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what's an anti-gay product? <laughs> That's really interesting. Because my first, my first thought came, that came to mind was uh, wedding rings. But obviously we've just changed the laws over in Australia so, so the gays can get married here now yeah. because we're an inclusive society. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, comment below. What, like, that's your comment. What's an anti-gay product? <laughs> Which will probably get us banned from YouTube anyway, but whatever. Um, but... One of the things I've noticed in like a lot of uh, podcasts, for example, that, that I listen to, is a lot of them are moving to a like a Patreon model where you pay us so Ooh. we can stay, right? Exactly like what, what you've been value saying. Value yeah. pay model. Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of them, um, like obviously the No Agenda podcast is one who spouts value for value a lot, yeah. uh, which I think is a great way of doing it too, because you know their whole thing is time, talent, or treasure. So you can um, help them out by sending them in news clips or yep. whatever it is. Um, you can do cover art for them or something like that, or you can actually give them money, whichever yep. whichever you prefer to do. And you're right, I think that that is kind of the future and where it's going to. And I think podcasting in itself is probably the more dynamic people going, okay, we see this for what it is now. That's why they're doing it in the first place. And they're going to move to these these systems as well because um, the Jocko podcast is starting to go to a pay one now as well. Well, well it has I just gone think to. it's it's all about decentralisation. You've decentralised yeah. the the networks that are in place. When you think if you if you really think about it like this, in Australia in particular, imagine think back to two thousand and no nineteen ninety five right. Some mm. of you aren't even that old, but can you imagine? only getting information from five sources, mm. which would be ABC, yeah. Channel 9, Channel 7, Channel 10, Channel 9. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That's right. Especially with the internet age, <clears throat> the idea of the internet was to give everyone all the information. Mm. But we still, and that this is what frustrates me about these media companies, they're, st- uh, they're still trying to hold that, that grip. That's right. In an information age... That's that right. we want to trust. How can five sources mm. tell us what we really need to know? Yeah. And especially when their model is based on advertising revenue. That's right. It's just ludicrous. It's ludicrous. The other thing too that, like now that I think about it as well, one of the fears I think that a lot of people have about um, social media changing is they're like, "Oh, but I have a business that I want to promote, or I have a podcast that I want to promote." Um, and like I made the point last week, like I barely, like f- social media is completely different now to what it was even three or four years ago mm. where you could have a product and share it and your entire friends list would see it. It's not like that anymore. It's 25% of your friends list. Yeah. And if you don't get any, any interactions on it. It's no friends. Then it's no friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So like if, if for example, um, because uh, you guys may be on Facebook, there's a lot of interaction on Facebook at the moment too, because we're old people. Uh, if you guys go on Facebook and you say Shout this... Shout out to the guys texting us on MSN Messenger. Yeah. 
Um, but if you go on, on Facebook and comment all your anti-gay products and the idea of a podcast page gets booted off of Facebook, I don't really care, to be yeah. perfectly frank, because it's not... It's not providing the, the level playing field where people can make their own decisions on what they want to follow and what they don't and what products they like and what they don't. Um, you know, we, we talked, we, 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 and we'll get into the GameStop stuff in a second, but we've talked about all the market manipulation and stuff yeah. that the, the sh- has been happening in the share market forever. Well, now we've got market manipulation in social media too. Yeah. It's not a free marketplace. It's a marketplace where... Uh, only things that support their agenda will be uh, will be uh, broadcast. distributed, broadcast, distributed, yeah. um, and anything that doesn't, oh, we'll just you, you can go over here. Yeah, you can keep posting all you want, but no one's going to hear. You. Yeah, like so, who cares? But isn't it funny? Like some of the the real issues that are that are circulating, and then yeah, we're going. Um, Israel Falau shouldn't be allowed to play. Yeah, exactly right. Like, at the end of the day, all he did was put his religious views out there for the whole world to see, and some people will support his views, and the majority of people, I feel, these days will not support his views. And that's okay. And that's okay. And the thing is, like, at the end of the day, let him have those views, because then you're going to get more viewers on your product anyway, because some people are going to watch because they support Izzy, other people are going to watch because they want to see him get smashed. It's the old pay-per-view boxing model that Floyd Mayweather made so but also, um, so it, famous. At least, at least if he's got a platform, then we can and and if we go by the principle of what I think the audio podcast is becoming about hmm. is about finding the truth. Yeah. let's have the conversation. Yeah, so Israel Falaut, open invitation, mate. If you want to come on the audio podcast and tell us about your uh, bigoted views uh, <laughs> on a podcast which is pro-gay. Yeah, we love the gay. You're, you're more than welcome to come on. And, like, try to change our minds, Izzy. Try yeah. to change our minds. Yeah, we were going with an open eye. Imagine if we just left and he's like, do you know what? Hit some excellent points. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that happening. Yeah. But, yeah. but, hey, I've, I've been wrong before. Yeah, right? and we were going with an open mind because that's what, that's, that's what we do. Exactly that's right. what we do. Um, so, GameStop, uh, GameStop update. Now, um, the shares have tumbled this week. Yeah, but there was a lot of factors in place. So, okay, so so I want to, I want to, now I've lifted this off, I heard it said somewhere else, mm-hmm. but I think it illustrates it best. Mm-hmm. So with, this, with the share price dumping, it basically, I think it's at 60, $63. So it was $4 originally, mm-hmm. went as high as $400, back down to $60, okay? So mm-hmm. the short sellers still aren't at their zero. No. So they're still bleeding money to mm-hmm. a point, just not as much. Um, a lot of people made a lot of money on that, and I'm sure some hedge funds made money off that because they knew what was going on and they could yeah, play that game a little bit. And a lot of hedge funds have reshorted at the higher amount too so they stand to make an absolute yeah. fortune when it eventually goes down to zero a lot of retail investors the some of these red guys yep. lost money and when i say what was beautiful about it is they don't care because yeah. there was so many little amounts it was 200 bucks 50 bucks 60 like it was it was whatever they were willing like everyone knew like you're not gonna get rich out of this mm. this is a stand against Wall Street. Which I think what really frustrated them was the amounts of people who saw it as a profit opportunity, who jumped on it, share price went up, and then they all sold out to, to take their profits because that wasn't the point of the exercise. The fundamentalists would just hold the line, hold, yep. stay in, stay in, stay in. So I it, I heard it likened to the scene from 300 mm-hmm. when Leonidas uh, 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 kneels to Xerxes. Mm. And then he calls one of his soldiers mm. to throw the spear at him. Yeah. And it does not kill Xerxes, but it just grazes his... Mm-hmm. And it shows that he can bleed. That even a god king can bleed. Even a god king can bleed. And I think that now we have shown what the power of community mm. can do to Wall Street, to big these big hedge funds. Yeah. So, so that is that is a an ex- I'm 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 stoked that it happened. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing event. I think it's very tumultuous. I think it's created all sorts of uh, chaos. But it should bring someone, like you'll check yourself before you do something financially now. Yeah. Because of that, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I, I agree too. Uh, one one likeness to which I'm just seeing off the top of my head because I love 300. It's one of my favorite movies. 
Um, so shout out and put in the comments if you like three hundred. Yeah. Just say yes, three hundred. Yeah. Or say this is Sparta. Yeah. Um, so one of the whole things uh, around the Wall Street bets was the phrase I, I like the stock because. A lot of them have been concerned about whether or not they could legally be charged with collusion. Mm. And it's like, are you buying this because you're all colluding together? Mm. And it's like, no, I just like the stock. Yeah. So to me, that reminds me of near near the beginning of 300, where Leonidas is just going for a walk with his 300, because he's not allowed to, to oh, go yeah. to war. So he just goes, we're just going for a walk. Yeah, yeah. Right? So we're just going for a walk. I like the stock. Like, it's a very similar sort of... You make that meme, that would work. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but... You're right. Like, I think this does show what we can do as, as, as a society. Where, now, I think it's also exposed, again, more of the tactics that Wall Street does every single day. Because there has been... They've thrown literally everything in the kitchen sink at, these, at the Wall Street bets guys to manipulate this back down again. So, I've heard stories this week about hedge funds who, who own a lot of the stock... Um, selling it back and forth between each other for a penny less um, every single time because it, it actually messes with the systems and it just shows a massive volume of shares yeah. being sold for a lesser price, yeah. which starts to drive the stock price back down again. You've seen stuff like um, the hedge funds uh, paying or putting people on the news early on in the piece going, like trying to spook the, the, the investors going like, oh, all these guys, like, they're going to be left holding the bag yeah. because, you know, if you don't sell now that it's high, you're going to lose all that money and trying to um, appeal to people's greed. Even manipulate. You could, some could call it trying to manipulate the, the market. The, the market. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, and what I found really interesting was um, I'd listened to two different, um, one was a podcast, one was a YouTube thing where they had Jordan Belfort, mm. the Wolf of Wall Street on this week and like you said to me before he he actually shows real remorse now like yeah. when you hear him speak he understands that he really did the wrong thing back yeah, then but he didn't a couple of years ago no he, he didn't, didn't. Yeah. he very much didn't but what I found really interesting was it was something that he said where he was like I knew I did the wrong thing and I knew I deserved to go to jail so I got caught and I deserved to go to jail and I was fine with that but I wasn't fine with it when I was sitting in jail and I watched what was happening in the GFC in 2008 and he thought, why am I the only person in prison? Yeah. Why aren't all these other people in prison yeah. as well? That's where I actually thought that he, he got done it. Did you pick up the interesting thing you said about shorts? You know, we had that debate about um, short selling mm -hmm. and he talked about the the um, the lengths that some of these short sellers or these hedge funds go to about intel gathering yeah. and having drones fly over factories to make sure that the amount of trucks that they say are leaving the factory aligns up with what they've um, reported to investors, mm -hmm. and um, so that 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 kind of stuff does validate the the um, idea of being able to short someone to, to make sure that to a degree. I I think realistically, what in my opinion, what the answer is is to have laws around the accurate reporting of financial results to shareholders. If which they're already, the, which well, they already are, but just they just need to be enforced. Not, not just because the reporting, I'm sure, is fine. It's the uh, communication surrounding. Um, so, so if you could get, like, if they brought in laws about people talking about uh, on media about stocks, mm. yeah, you know, if there, if there was a closer look on that, because any pump up or down is market manipulation. Well, it's fraud. At the end of the day, it's fraud. So, like, like Jordan, well, it is. Like Jordan Belfort was saying. He was on the one hand, because he was the long game on everything, so he was lying to everyone to pump up the stock as much as he yep. could, whereas the shorters were lying to everyone to, to drop the stock as much as they could. Yeah. Now, both of those things should be illegal. Like, both of those things are a form of market manipulation. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where, yeah. like, that, that sort of stuff should, should be what is... There should be laws around. And it's illegal. Yeah, you should now, be able to get popped for, um, for uh, market manipulation when you're talking about it. Uh... Now, you're exactly right. Now, I also feel this does come down to accurate reporting of financial results to your shareholders because at the end of the day, like, I've worked at a company before that inaccurately reported financial results mm. and, again, the investors are the ones who are left holding the bag and that and is... That's why you need short sales. 
well, short no, sellers no. will get into that and understand that is and make sure that the price doesn't no, get No, that's why those people who, who inaccurately report financial results need to go to jail for fraud. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's fraud. If you have a publicly yeah. listed company and you inaccurately report your financial uh, your financials to your shareholders to influence them to either buy more shares or sell shares or whatever, that is fraud. So realistically, rather than having people pushing for long sales, people pushing for short sales, at the guts of it, you need to have the laws around accurate financial reporting be enforced. I watched something really interesting. There was a company that um, I've been following for a while, while called Wirecard. Right. Uh, they're a German-based uh, 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 fintech company that does payment processing. Right. And they they uh, skyrocketed in in market value. They they were worth I think more than. Germany's two banks put together right. and they're literally just a payment processor <laughs> and uh, they had they will they it's public it's good practice to get an external accounting firm or to monitor your books mm-hmm. so they had oh, if, if I get this wrong this be, could get me in trouble but I think it was uh, might have been KPMG or you know, one large, one large firm was looking at everything. They were two billion dollars off, hmm. but they were still reporting, right? So they somehow gained the system. And it wasn't until another that the the investors go, something's wrong here. Let's get another investor. Uh, let's get another um, auditor mm-hmm. to go and have a look. And they're like, no, you're two billion dollars short. Mm-hmm. But you know, a problem with that system. These audit companies, how, who pays them? Mm. The company they're auditing. Yeah. So they lose a customer if they don't start reporting the way that it should be reported. Mm. Now, the guy that used to run Wirecard, so one of the guys is in jail, mm-hmm. and one of the guys is missing. <laughs> yeah. He's missing. But so so you've got to look really in, in just because it's reported, that don't mean it's real. Yeah, but I think like one of the things around this too, which the more that we discuss this, the more I think about it, is um, I, I feel like if you, if you were more strict on the laws of financial reporting, it would actually force investors to do their due diligence properly. Because I think a lot of investors, particularly retail investors, um, because they're the uneducated investment investors, mm. I feel a lot of them just look at trends and go, this one's going up, so I'm going to invest in that. They don't actually do any research into the company. I think a lot of people are invested into things they don't even understand what the company does. Mm. They've just seen an uptick on a graph, so they're like, well, I'm going to get on this while it's going up. Mm. Um, whereas if you if you took away the ability to have that market manipulation and people in the media telling you it's going to go one way or the other because there's financial interest involved in sending those one way or the other, it might actually make people think twice about whether or not they invest in a business before actually doing some research on what the business is, how it's going, what what are their plans for the future. Yeah, you see, know? I'm too scared to... Um, I definitely call myself a fundamentalist trader. Like, I uh, I dabble primarily in crypto markets, mm-hmm. but I if, if I don't understand it, I stay away from it. Yeah. And I don't care if I... Like, people talk about, oh, look at the profits I'm out of this. I don't care. Good on you. Mm. But to me, that's gambling. Yep. If I if, if the product or service does not make sense, mm. I won't invest. Yeah. I heard a, um, Kevin Hart was on the Joe Rogan Experience a few months ago. And one of the things that he was saying that um, he teaches his kids is like with buying shares, he's, he goes, forget what the share price is and everything like that. What's the product? And is it something that people use every single day? Mm. Because he, he, he's the example of like, so what do we do every day? We brush our teeth. All right, so there's a toothpaste company. That's, that's something that we'll invest in because that's something that people are going to use every single day. Mm. Whereas, you know, it might be, you might have like a toy company, for example, it comes out with a new toy and you're going to see an uptick in that company because people like the toy, but that toy will become obsolete at some point. Mm. So it's that mentality of you're, you're exactly right. Being a fundamentalist, what is a product that's going to be used now and in the future rather than what's just a hot thing right now, yeah. which will, it's like a sugar spike, right? It's yeah. just, and then you crash off it, right? And then you've got the stress of having to be a day trader trying to um, keep up with that stuff. But I feel like, yeah, out of all this, what it really comes down to is people 
just like every other aspect of life, taking some personal responsibility yeah. and actually doing your due diligence before you invest in something. Yeah. And not just going off, you know, like there's a massive hedge fund that's shorted this company. Okay, why have they shorted it? Yeah. Like realistically, the GameStop short made sense. It made sense to do it. And obviously, uh, the they didn't count for on Reddit going out and doing what they did. Mm-hmm. But in essence, you're right, that company was going to be a dying company anyway because they hadn't innovated. They only had brick and mortar stores. They had no online store. So any investor from the outside could see that happening and go, and again, if you're actually going to do your due diligence, they could see that and go, okay, these guys aren't even on the internet. That's not a, that's not even a present company. That's a past company. I'm not going to invest any money in that. I'm going to invest in someone else like a, a, a Amazon online or a electronics boutique that's got an online store or something like that. I'm going to park my money somewhere else. Mm. So I feel like out of anything, just do due diligence in anything that it is that you're investing into. Yeah, know what you're putting your money into. Yeah. Otherwise... Have personal responsibility. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't You wouldn't just give your money to someone on the street that you didn't know if they... Just because they promised... A lot of people do, but uh, yeah. like they promised you something... Yeah. You want to know, okay, what it is, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. What's it for? That's you right. Um, you know, you're talking about returns. Whenever someone's talking about guaranteeing your return, that's a red flag. Yeah, exactly. You can't right. guarantee a return in a free market. Yep, yep. And 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 GameStop has, has proved that, like, it's exponentially more risky now mm. than it was before. Yeah, so again, if we, if we want to, because we do believe in being solutions-based, what can we learn out of this entire thing? Do your due diligence. Yeah, I did. I'm 600% up. Nice. I, uh, I've, I've only made one emotional move. Yep. Which you know about. Yep. Um, but extremely calculated, set targets for uh, what I what I believed as a fundamental. Didn't get caught up in the FOMO. Mm-hmm. Had a strategy, stuck to the strategy. Yep. And it's, it's, it's worked very well. Yeah, and that having a strategy and sticking to it thing is the difference between, you know, like, okay, you might, let's say you've got a a price ceiling where you're going to sell your crypto Mm. app, for example. Yeah, okay, the crypto might go slightly over your price ceiling, but also, like, because it's so cyclical, it could also go well down below that as well. So if it gets to that ceiling, like, that was part of your plan, sell it, take the profits. And see, I don't feel bad. I never... So something you'll notice, you'll never hear me say... I wish I had done this or I wish I had done mm. that because I couldn't. I can't, I can't change that. I put no energy into those things yeah. because uh, it's it's not something worth feeling anything about. Well, exactly, because it's done. you can't change it. You can't change if it. If something's happened in the past, no matter what it is, whether it's a financial thing or something else in your life, if it's happened in the past, you can't change yeah. it now. I've, so why would you let that ruin your day? Yeah. You just I've taken profits and then things have gone 20% higher and I'm... S- happy as yeah because a profit's a profit yeah and um and some of the losses i've not i've got a strategy around losses i never get mm-hmm. i don't sell at a loss no especially on cryptos yeah cryptos always generally come back up again yeah at yeah. least at the moment yeah it's just cycles understanding yep. the cycles what i want to say about crypto too though and i only just had this realization um, three or four days ago mm-hmm People are saying that this cycle is different to every other because of blah, blah, blah. Mm. This is exactly the same cycle as 2017. Yeah. The same stuff's happening. No, this one's different because of X, Y, Z. We've said the same thing. Yeah. It's the same, the, the exact same cycle. People saying, well, you know, it, Bitcoin's never going to go down again. It'll go down. Yeah, of course it'll it will. Go down. It's a case of when, but it'll go down. Yeah, because the, the fundamentals of it is like people are treating it like a stock and they want to be able to secure those profits. Yeah. Now, what what will be very, very interesting if is if one day crypto gets to a point where it becomes a real currency where people are widely able to use it for everything, then it'll stabilise a little bit more, I feel. Yeah, um, for sure. But until that happens, of course, Bitcoin's going to come back down again because it's going to get to a point where people have doubled their money. Sort of like, well, the the real measure of wealth at the moment is still my country's currency. Mm. It's still Australian dollars in Australia. Mm. 
So I'm going to secure my Australian dollar profits that I've got my Bitcoin by selling it now, which causes the price to dip, and I'm going to buy back in on the dip. That's what I don't understand about a lot of the a lot of people that are saying that that's not going to happen because oh, all these massive hedge funds have started to place Bitcoin beds. Yeah, how to make they, money. Yeah, how do they make profit out of it? They're not they going to by s- selling it. Yeah, they they will sell it. Yeah. and make a profit and then buy it again and sell it. And that's right. Like, that's how... And they're going to be selling large amounts at yeah. a time because they want to secure all their profits up here and then they know that's going to make the market dip yep. and then they're going to buy back in on the dip and they're going to go again. Yeah, so so keep a clear head. Yeah. Don't 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 stress out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's been fun. It has been it's fun. It's been fun. And I still think the cycle's on for, for another, you know, might be another three or four months. Yep. Same as the last time, 2018. Mm-hmm. Like it probably finished by June, July mm-hmm. 2018, and then the luster went away. And then. So, if you were a FOMO investor and you've invested in any sort of cryptocurrency that has. You've lost, you've lost money on. You've lost value on it, I'll say at the moment, because you only lose the money when you sell it at a loss. Yep. Just hold it. Just hold it. Just leave the money in there. Now. Unless it's a, if you've bought a shit coin that is not going to exist, different yeah. story. But if you've bought one of the fundamental. If you bought some of the large cap ones or yeah. some of the ones that really make sense, yeah, you'd be fine. That's right. Just just hold on to it. And again, which sort of brings you back to the point of never invest more money than you can afford. Yeah. Because you still need to be able to live live on the side with the cash that you've got available to you. You don't want to get sucked into going FOMO investment. I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in on this on this crypto, and then it dies, and you're like, shit. I need to pay the rent this week. That's now something I, sell it a lot. I saw on Discord about those games, uh, those Wall Street bets guys. Mm-hmm. They were saying like. Um, these people have yachts to lose. I uh, we eat ramen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, one of the, one of the favorite ones I saw was um, like divorce finalized in December. Just lost his job or something like that, and filed for bankruptcy last week. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So so key points to take out of today's episode. Um, Thank you for the response to last week. Let's keep that going. Let's keep that respectful discourse going as well where we can be open to different ideas. Challenge yourself to have one of those conversations with a peer yeah. this, this week. Spread the goodness. Yeah. Spread the goodness. Listen to understand. Don't listen to respond. Yeah. yeah. And the, yeah, the way you're going to do it, the best way to do it is you listen first. Yeah. You yeah. listen to understand first. Yeah. Um, and then you, I think you'll get, that'll start to, the effectiveness will start to be witnessed that's right. So that's point number one. Point number two, leave a comment on the YouTube just to see if it does affect the algorithm just out of pure yeah. interest point. Anti-gay products. Uh, anti-gay products. Don't, don't say anti-gay products. Just tell us a product. Just tell us a product. That's right. Just think of a product that could be anti-gay. Don't say this is anti-gay because of this. Just yeah. think of it as posted. Number three, at the Audio Podcast, we love the gays. Number four, gays. if Israel allows us into this and you want to come on and have a chat to us about your beliefs, by all means, mate, hit us up. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, was there anything else? Oh, Um, number five, do your due diligence on stocks. Yeah, look after yourself financially. Yeah, 100%. Thank you very much for joining us again, this week, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye.